Hey, we're starting our new series this month called Icebergs. Turn to your neighbor and say Icebergs. So we're starting a new series called Icebergs. And um, how many guys have ever seen the movie Titanic? Anyone seen the movie Titanic? Y'all seen that, right? Right? There was enough room for Jack on the door. That's all I'm saying, okay? That's not, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, apparently. Y'all are talking about the end of the movie where Rose just sat up there all by herself and let homeboy die in the water. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, there was enough room for Jack on the door, and then she said she'd never let go. I'll never let go, Jack. But you did let go. You let him sink, all right? So listen. <laughs> That has nothing to do with the series that we're in, but we are in a series called Icebergs, right? So turn to your neighbor and say Icebergs. And so the idea behind the series Icebergs, right, the idea is that there are many things in our life that we tolerate because when we look at them, they don't seem like a big deal. But if we could see below the surface of our life, we would see that these things are actually consuming us. And if we don't deal with them, they will destroy us. Because what lies beneath the surface is, smar, uh, is far larger than what is above the surface. And we think that we can live with this, but we don't recognize that we actually have to destroy this. And so we're going to get below the surface today. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're getting below the surface. We're going to deal with some stuff. Now, I hope you chose wisely the person that, sitting next to you, and I hope they don't smell bad. Because we're going to talk to them a little bit today, all right? So I know you're looking at them now like, huh. Now listen, let's, let's get into it today. Our, our theme verse for the month, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so here's what we want to do over the next four weeks. We want to talk to you about some icebergs in your life. There are some things in our life that will destroy us if we don't deal with them. At the same time, there are some things that God wants to give us that in our life they should be immovable and that we should be steadfast in. So we got some icebergs we need to get rid of and we got some things that we need to embrace in our life. But if we can accept the fact that what's on top of the surface is small, but we have to deal with what's underneath the surface, then we can see God do amazing things in your life. So turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a purpose. And look back at him and say, God's got a plan. All right, so let's get into what we got today. What do we fear? The question is, what do we fear? Fear. And uh, they boiled it down. We were looking at um, different things that people say they fear. They admit that they fear. There's four or five. We, we took four of them and wrote these down. So one of the things that people fear, the first thing is isolation. Isolation. It's going to pop up. I promise. There it is. Isolation. And with isolation, now I'm not talking about like my wife loves isolation because she likes to just sit on the couch and read a book. Where are my party people at? How many of y'all like to go get into some stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, let's go eat at a restaurant. Let's go to the mall. Let's go blow something up. I'm just kidding. Don't do that part, last part. But, like, like we, we just want to be a part of what's going on. All them I personalities, right? Well, where, where's the party at? We got somewhere to be. Where y'all at? Again, raise your hand. I, where are all y'all that's like, I just want a quiet, like, couch book. That's me. That's where I want to be. A bunch of boring folks. Anyway, so... But that's not what we're talking about here with isolation. What we're talking about here is we're talking about relational and spiritual isolation. How many guys uh, in your heart somewhere would admit that there is a fear in you that you could be alone for the rest of your life? Right? How many would admit that there's a fear in you that, you that you may never build a relationship with someone well enough that they actually know the real you? Man, isolation can be a scary thing. Number two, we fear pain. Pain. Right? No one, none of us want to experience pain, at least not on purpose. Right? What do we fear? Number three is loss. 
How many of us would admit that some of us fear a lot? You got a loved one, you got someone that's close to you, you fear losing them one day, right? And so we fear loss. And number three, I mean, number four, we fear regret. Regret. How many of you guys already got some decisions in life? You're looking at like, oh, I'd take that one back if I could, right? Like, right? Some of y'all got some exes. I know y'all would take back if you could, okay? <laughs> would have never went out with that person. A whole lot of regret in that arena. Some, some of y'all thinking back to your college days right now, like, oh, man. I can't even remember all my regret. Anyway, so... These are areas that we fear. And so, right, what today, we want to deal with the ice, right? So dealing with the iceberg, we're going to deal with the ice of fear, all right? So turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to deal with fear. We're going to deal with fear today. And the first thing that we have to deal with when we're dealing with fear is that I have to overcome my anxiety. Overcome my anxiety. But before we get into this, I want to put this out there because as we talk about anxiety, there are people that have been diagnosed and deal with genuine medical, like they have to take medicine for anxiety. I believe that the church, the institution of the church as a whole, has lied to people and said that if you have to take medication to get chemical balances correct, then you don't have enough faith. I think that's hogwash and it's a load of garbage, right? So don't buy into the lie that says you just need to have more faith. Like, no, shut up. Okay, so... Like, do, you do what you got to do of what God put on this earth to help you get taken care of, whatever you got to get taken care of, all right? So, but when we're talking about overcoming my anxiety, what we're talking about here is that then each one of us is an anxiety of us not believing that God will come through and do the things that God has promised he will come through and do in our life, right? And anxiety comes from situations, how many of us have ever experienced a situation? You've experienced something in your life, and as you experienced that, it drove you to a place of not trusting God when it came back around again. Now, we can, we can be honest in here, or we can lie to ourselves. We're going to deal with the iceberg of fear today or not, right? So here's what we have to be honest with ourselves about our anxiety. Part of our anxiety is, God, I trust you, but I don't know if I trust you enough. Because anxiety stems from the what if in your life. What if God promised me he would do it, but what if he doesn't? And our anxiety is a constant state of what if in our mind and in our heart, not knowing if God is actually going to do the thing he promised us he would do. More importantly, if God's plan looks different than mine. How many of God has ever had some suggestions for God before? Where y'all at, right? Hey, listen, if you do this, it'll fix the whole thing. I don't know why you don't listen to me because me running my life went great before you came home. Right? How many of us ever had some suggestions for God before? Right? Like, hey, listen, this is all you got to do. All you got to do is this. Right? Like, wipe them off the plane. No, I'm just kidding. Like, all you got to do is we have great suggestions for God. But here's the reality is when God doesn't take our suggestions, and here's a, a hint, he never does, okay? Because his ways are higher than our ways. Like, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's already finished the book, and we haven't even finished the chapter. He knows where he's going, and he knows what he's doing. Our anxiety comes from not knowing what the end looks like during the beginning. But we have to overcome our anxiety of what ifs. So situations create anxiety in our life because situations and experiences cause us to doubt whether or not God will do what he told us he will do. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of, say this word, fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
We have to overcome, and more importantly, we have to take captive the anxiety in our life that tells us God is not who he said he is. Because how many guys know God spoke the sun, moon, and stars in space? The universe was formed at his words. I promise he can handle your mortgage or your pink slip or your car note. Or the fact that you don't know how your bill is going to get paid. Or you don't know how that sickness in your body is going to get taken care of. God can and will handle it the way he knows it needs to be taken care of. How many of us can look back and say, man, there were some things I felt like God should have done this way. And had he done it that way, where would we be now? I remember I was dating a girl before, before I married Ashley. My amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, my bride. Anyways, no, you're watching, baby. Anyway, so... <clears throat> hey, y'all got to deal with it, okay? So, but I remember I was dating a girl before Ashley, and I remember praying that God would let that relationship work. And my God, in his grace and mercy in my life, he shut that down. Come on, somebody. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So some of y'all had one of them too. I was praying, God, let this work, let this work, let this work. And then all of a sudden he said, no. And I remember thinking to myself, like, God, how could you not let this work? And he said, boy, I just saved you from so much hurt you don't even know. Like, and in each one of our lives, we have to recognize that sometimes God is out to save us from something that we want so bad. God knows better than we know. And our anxiety comes from the fact that when we don't get to see all that work itself out, and we're just in the beginning, and because God didn't let that work out, I start to get anxiety about all the other things that I'm still waiting on God to finish in my life. And we have to overcome our anxiety. Philippians 4.16 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. People come to me all the time, they're like, Pastor Brad, you just seem so chill. I'm like, you right. I took on this attitude a long time ago. It is what it is. And it's going to be what it's going to be. I, don't, I just don't, you know, I got some brothers in the house. Chris over there, I, I help him out at his shop sometimes. And, like, he'll get all rattled. And I'm just like, you know, man, it just is what, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Cheech sometimes. You know, like, hey, man, you know, like, it just is what it is, you know. Like, why? Because, listen, God has already promised me things and he already promised he's going to take care of me. So all my anxiety in the world ain't going to help fix that. How about I just rest in the victory God has already promised me rather than trying to fight the battle and know that even when I do fight, it doesn't change the outcome. So how about I just hang out and relax in God's victory in my life rather than trying to fight for myself? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all are like, oh, that's me, right? I need to start resting in God's victory in my life rather than trying to fight it for myself. We need to let go of our anxiety. So here's the deal I want you to understand. I wrote this down. Fear, turn to your neighbor and say fear. Fear is a slow-moving mass, slow-moving iceberg in our life. Like an iceberg, its strength lies in the environment that it moves in. The circumstances surrounding fear give it the immovable momentum to continue destroying the things in our lives that it bumps into. In other words, the environment that we allow our anxiety to grow in continues to be the environment that we get destroyed in. So how about we stop getting ourselves into environments? How many guys have ever been in a traffic jam before, right? No one has anxiety until they're running late and they're in traffic. Instant, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And how many of you know also that for whatever reason, people, how many of y'all, how many of y'all can't stand the people that drive 35 and a 45? Where y'all at, right? Okay. Amen, somebody. 
How many of y'all also think that it's crazy how those people tend to pair up next to each other and take up both lanes, and now we all can't get where we're trying to go on time, right? And I constantly have to remind myself of this because I, like, same thing all y'all probably experienced. Like, I got to be somewhere, y'all need to, and I'm, I'm not yelling at them, but I'm just voicing my opinion strongly through my windshield at how they should be moving out of my way. Right, And then I see a car go flying through the turn lane to get around them, you know, which is totally illegal. I'm not supporting that whatsoever. And the thought hits my mind, you know, I could do that too. I don't know how good it would be with my Transformation Church sticker on the back. You know what I'm saying? Trying to fly around. Anyway, that's, we shouldn't be anxious about anything. Listen, the world made it without you and they're going to make it without you. So how about we relax and rest in God and let go of our anxiety, anxiety while we're here? We need to overcome some of this anxiety. Let's keep going. Oh, wait. Proverbs 12.25 says this. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. How many of y'all got some people that, that they don't even have to try hard to wreck your day? Right? They just show up at work. Oh, gosh. So-and-so is here. And you just try your best to avoid them the whole day. Right? Sometimes that ain't at work. Sometimes it's at a family gathering. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all got a cousin, a sister, a brother, or aunt. You're just like, I don't want to deal with this person today, right? But how many of y'all need some people in your life to speak some kind words, to cheer you? Like, man, I, I need someone. I, you know, I, I tell some of the guys I hang out with outside of church, I said, I like to be the guy that gets to walk into the room and just bring life to it. You know what I mean? Like, we're gonna, if you hang out with me, we're going to laugh. We're going to laugh at something or somebody. But we're going to laugh, all right? People ask me, oh, you go to the bowling small group? I said, man, I try to make it to the bowling small group the best I can. They're like, what's your, what's your score? And they do this. I don't know what it is about every bowler. It feels like they got an air bowl when they ask the score. But what's your score? I'm like, I don't bowl. I just go to the small group so I can make fun of all the bowlers, all right? So <laughs> I just there to, I'm there to hate on everybody else. Like, that's terrible. How are you going to hit nine out of ten every time? You better get a strike. Anyway, so... You need kind words, so maybe I'm not the best guy for that, unless you want to help me make fun of someone else. No, but listen, we do that. Man, Jackie Radford hit us up this week, man. We were uh, getting ready for our small group, and he was just having a rough week. Anybody had a rough week, man, when things ain't going right, you know, and family, just, he just got some personal stuff going on. And so he texted me and Pastor Justin, and he said, hey, guys, I don't know if I need to come to the small group this week because, you know, it's just been a rough week, and I don't want to weigh everybody down. I don't want to bring everybody else down because I'm down. And I said, I just texted him back. I said, bro, let us bring you up. Like, you just need people in your life that when you get around them, it just lifts that spirit a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Life has a good way of bringing us all down. We don't need any help with that. I need some people in my life that are just going to pick me up every now and then. I need some people in my life that are going to speak some positive words. And when everything's going crazy, I can call them because I know they're going to have something good to say. Pastor Scott, he's like that down at Free Life Chapel. Every time I talk on the phone, I feel like I can defeat the whole world when I get on talking to him. And he's like, man, you're just awesome. I want you to know how awesome you are. I'm like, you're right. You know, but you need people in your life to make you feel like that. You can defeat the whole world just because they told you so. Right. But here's the reality. Eventually, you got to get to where God can be that for you. And you don't even need nobody else. But we got to overcome our anxiety before we can get there. We got to get past the what ifs and the how bad can it gets before we can get there. Number two, I need to remove my rejection. One of the greatest fears. And as I deal with people as a pastor, and as, actually, as I deal with leaders as a pastor, 
the fear of rejection drives more people and sinks more people than anything I've ever seen in my life. Remove my rejection. And here's what rejection does in our life. Rejection causes us to feel inadequate, like we're never good enough. Here's the question that I have for you, because we all experience this, right? Can we be honest in this room and say that we all experience inadequate? We all feel like at some point, somewhere in our life, we're not good enough. The question is for you, who spoke that lie to you, and what do you need to do about it? Because if you feel like, if you're constantly fighting this battle of rejection, somewhere, some, somewhere at some point in your life, someone told you you weren't good enough, and you've been proving them right ever since. But here's the deal, folks. Your rejection only comes from your inability to get past the words that were spoken over you. Your approval is already here because Jesus already paid for it. Like you belong to a king. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord. Like you belong to the king. Why would you not be approved? Why would you not have value? Why would you need to prove yourself? Listen, Jesus already came on the scene and told you you're enough. You don't need anyone else's words to tell you you're enough. But we have to remove rejection in our lives that makes us think that we're not worthy. We need to rest in our worthiness that comes from God. But where does rejection come from? Where does inadequacy come from? It comes from someone else's words. Anxiety comes from situations, but rejection comes from people's words. People have spoke over you that you're not, and so you believe it. And you need to start believing that you are what people say that you're not. You are a son and a daughter of the king. You are in your rightful place. You can be confident in that Jesus paid a price for you, and that since he paid your price, he paid the highest price. And since he paid the highest price, you're worth something, and your victory is already promised in who Jesus is. And so you don't have to keep fighting against defeat. All you have to do is rest in victory because he's already made it available to you. Let's keep going. I know y'all, some of y'all just ain't know what to do with this. Romans 8, 38. <laughs> Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says this. For I am convinced. Say that word, convinced. So Paul wasn't like, you know, I think I got this idea. No, no, no. He was convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, height or debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you're going to come across that's going to cause you to lose value. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing you can come across that's going to cause you to lose value. But here's what happens. is we run into situations and we run into circumstances and people speak things over us. And we start to believe that more than we believe that the love of God in our life makes us victorious already. So what is it in your life and who has spoken over you that causes you to believe that you're not worth what Jesus already paid for you? How detrimental of a lie in your life is it to believe the lie that who you already are is who you are not? Because here's the thing. No one can come to me and be like, you're not Pastor Dan's son. I'm like, man, you see this gray hair? Look at this. It's coming in. I am Pastor Dan's son. No one can come to me and say, well, you're not, you're not this person. I know who I am, but here's what happens. We know who we are physically, but we lose track of who we are spiritually because we lose track of who we belong to. 
but we belong to the king. Jesus already done that, so we don't have to face rejection. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It reminds me of a story of a, a, a guy named Billy Hornsby. So Billy Hornsby was an amazing man. He, he actually was the founder and the, the one that, he was really the steam engine between, uh, but behind ARC. Uh, which is the Association of Related Churches, the church planning network that we are a part of um, that has planted hundreds of churches all over the United States and some out in the world. Uh, They've seen hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ through these churches. So he, as a man, is responsible and gets to celebrate to a degree of hundreds of thousands of people coming to put their faith in Christ. How many guys would like your name on that list? Come on, somebody. Like, so Billy Hornsby, he was in third grade. His teacher writes a math problem on the board, chalkboard. Uh, some of y'all kids don't know what that is, but it's okay. You don't have to worry about it. They're not coming back. So he writes a math problem on the chalkboard. And she says, Billy, come up here and solve this problem. And Billy was a very intelligent young man, like very intelligent. So he gets up, and as he's walking to the whiteboard, he solves the problem in his head. So he walks right up to the whiteboard, takes the chalk, writes the answer, draws a line on it, goes back and sits down. And she says, that's not right. And he says, yes, it is. And she said, well, the answer is right, but you didn't show your work. And he said, yeah, but my answer is right. And she said, you know what, Billy? You're never going to be anybody, and you're never going to do anything in life. From that moment, those words followed him for the rest of his life. And as he grew up, he dropped out of high school never really held a real job for a long period of time and ended up having relationships and, and, uh, and, and got a girl pregnant. Um, and as, after he got a young lady pregnant, he went out and started putting applications in at some of the bigger jobs. So he puts in an application at one of these uh, factories, at this big, uh, a big corporation, a big factory. And so he put in the application, but he knew he wasn't going to get the job because he's nothing and he's nobody and he never is going to be. And those words followed him. So he goes puts in the application. They called him the same day. They said, Mr. Hornsby, we need you to come up here. We need to talk to you about your application. He says to them, listen, I know that I didn't do well on it, so why don't you just tell me that over the phone? I don't need to drive up there. And they said, we would really like for you to come up here. He said, seriously, you can just tell me that I failed over the phone. You don't have to. I don't need to drive all the way up there to hear you tell me that. They said, Mr. Hornsby, please, will you just come up here? Um, And so he did. He drives up there, and they sit him down in the office, and they say, Mr. Hornsby, you just scored higher on this test than anyone ever has in the history of this company. And the guy in the office looks at him and says, you know, if you applied yourself, you could really be somebody one day and you could really do something great. The exact same phrase that his third grade teacher used got flipped on its head. And from that moment forward, he started the church planning network. He pastored pastors. He is like I said, personally responsible to a large degree for hundreds of thousands of people to come in the kingdom because somebody was willing to speak the word in his life to reverse his rejection and bring him into a place of acceptance. And you need someone speaking into your life that will reverse your rejection. Let's keep going. Number three, I need to change my channel. I need to change my channel. And so what happens is in the ocean, icebergs flow in channels or lanes. Now, some of y'all need to change the literal channel. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, change that channel. Like, no. But the, in the ocean, the icebergs, they get into channels or lanes where the currents move, right? 
And so the current carries them into channels and lanes. And, and what we also have is we have shipping lanes. So Europe and Africa, as it ships to the United States, the United States back and then to South Africa, there are lanes that the ships operate in, and that's how they transport the goods, right? That's how they transport. So their purpose lies in their ability to move through the channel. But here's what happens is when ice, when a lot of icebergs get into the channel, someone gets on the radio and says, hey, that channel that you're in is full of ice. You're going to need to get into a different channel. You need to get into a different lane so that you can get what you've got where it has to be. Your destination, the purpose for your delivery is relying on you getting into a new channel. And can I tell some of you something today? The purpose that God has for you is relying on you getting into a different channel. Because you got somebody right now telling you, listen, I don't know what you've gone through. Regardless of what happened in your life, there is a purpose that God has for you and you are allowing icebergs and you're allowing stuff like fear to get in the way of God, what God wants to do in your life. And if you'll change the channel, if you'll get out of where you are and get somewhere else, if you'll change your environment, get away from some of those friends and get around some that are going to help you get to your purpose and speak life into you, if you'll get away from some of them co-workers and get around some of those that are going to speak some life into you, if you'll be able to change the channel, you'll be able to fulfill the purpose because God already has a delivery for you. He already has a purpose for you. The goods in your life are already in here. What you got to do is get to the destination where he can open that up and start to let you walk out the thing that he wants you to walk out. But you got to get past your anxiety. You've got to get past your rejection. You've got to get past your fear. You've got to get out of the channel and you've got to get in the channel where God can reveal his purpose in your life. I think about channels. I think about lanes. When I think about lanes, it gives me anxiety because I think about traffic. Okay, so. <laughs> but how many, how many of y'all know the people that when they're driving, they come to a complete stop before they turn. See, all right, yeah, okay, I don't even got to ask, right? Oh, right, Joe, sitting there, there's, laying on the horn. Yeah, like just laying on the horn. Like, you know you could have, and y'all didn't even give me a blinker, okay? So anyway, so y'all know what I'm talking about, those people that just like put the wall up, right? Like, and what, of course, you're trying to be somewhere, but you can't. But here's what most of us do. Think about it. You're in two lanes. You could just as easily switch a lane and start moving again. But what do we do? Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? But isn't that the same thing we do in life? We could just as easily switch lanes and get around these people that are icebergs in our life. But instead, we'd rather stay where we are and talk about it instead of going around them and moving past it. Come on. We'd rather have something to complain about than move past it and become victorious. We got, there's a destination waiting for you. God just has to get you there, which means you got to go around the Yahoo that stopped before they turned. And listen, can I tell you something? Just because other people aren't willing to find their purpose in life doesn't mean it's, that's a good reason for you not to find yours. So if they want, yeah, if they want to stop short of their turn... Let them stop. Go around them. Because you don't owe anybody your joy. You don't owe anybody your peace. They call you and want to complain. Hang on the phone. Pastor Brad told me to I, I'm hanging up. I ain't got to talk to you right now. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Just, I don't know why I thought it was a flip phone. Like this is a razor or something. But, 
Like, I'm, I'm hanging, like, why? You don't owe anybody your joy. You don't owe anybody your peace. God has a purpose for you. And if you want to stop short of your purpose because so-and-so did, go for it. But I got somewhere God is trying to take me, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get there. Ain't nobody else around me going to stop me from what God wants to do in my life. Why? Because I'm not going to let my fear of anxiety and my rejection slow me down just because it's slowing somebody else down. I'm going to keep moving until I get to where God wants me to be, even if that means I got to change my channel. All right? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30 says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Come on, somebody. How many just need some rest? We talked about it last week. Be still. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if we rewind for just a second, Matthew 20, or if we look at Matthew 23, 4, here's one of the things that they were talking about. Matthew 23, 4 says, uh, he says that they tie, Jesus talking about the Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads and that they are hard to carry and they put them on people's shoulders. And they were using a metaphor to talk about how the religious world tends to tie up heavy things and hold them in bondage so that people can't go anywhere. And how many of us in our life are carrying heavy things that we were never meant to carry for someone else? Therefore, we're not going anywhere. I'll put it to you this way. How many of you have a brother or a sister or a cousin or a family member or a best friend or someone you used to know? And you are carrying their burden for them, but the burden is so heavy that you've been paralyzed trying to carry a burden that you were never meant to carry. And you need to drop that thing so that you can move on and change your channel. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, change the channel. Uh-huh. Number four, we need to find freedom in my faith. We find freedom in my faith. Freedom is already available to you. It's already here for you. Jesus has already provided it to you. All you have to do is step into it through the faith that comes through Jesus Christ. Freedom in my faith. The reality is most of us embrace our fear. We embrace our anxiety. We embrace our rejection because it's easier than dealing with it. I'm going to say that again. Most of us embrace our fear because it's easier than dealing with our fear. Because what happens is when we get wounded, especially as young people, some of us got wounded at six years old, seven years old, 12 years old, a father figure, somebody wounded us, and now we have a fear of rejection because we were rejected, and that fear of rejection has caused us to have a constant fear of rejection, so we always feel inadequate. We never feel like we're good enough because we weren't good enough before, or that person at least made us feel that way. So we live in a constant state of trying to prove ourselves, never actually believing in ourselves. But here's the deal. We embrace our fear rather than trying to fight our fear. We embrace our anxiety, our rejection, because it's easier than facing it. Because here's the deal. What happens is when we get wounded, how many of you guys ever had a cut before? Right? How many of you guys ever had a cut that got infected? What happens when we're wounded and we don't let Jesus take care of it is that cut gets infected, but then it heals over itself. But that infection is still inside of us. And when Jesus wants to come in and remove that anxiety, remove that rejection, it requires us to open up an old wound and deal with a past hurt. 
The problem is many of us are never willing to do that. We would rather just live with something that seems like it's not a big deal on the surface, but we don't recognize how it's literally destroying us underneath. And we have to overcome our fear, our anxiety, our rejection, our inadequacies. We have to overcome that, and the freedom is available to us in our faith. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's available to you. That the freedom comes, when Jesus comes into your life and the Holy Spirit starts to take you over, that the freedom becomes available to you. I wrote this down. I think this is good. Another quote. It says that faith is the current that dictates the speed and direction of freedom. If you don't have any faith, then you don't have a current to carry your freedom. But when you start to put everything on your faith, that you... That you Your rejection, you don't have to fight rejection. Jesus gets to fight rejection for you, and you just put your faith in Jesus. So you don't have to fight your anxiety. Jesus will fight off your anxiety. You just put your faith in Jesus. Like If you're at a constant state of putting everything on Christ, Christ is always victorious in every battle. He's already proved that. So he don't have to win again for us. We get to rest in what he's already won, and that's our freedom because our freedom comes from our faith, and our faith is in Jesus. So we get to celebrate that Psalms 3, 1 through 8 says this, and, and so what we see here is David is, a, is fighting against some armies, right? How many guys have ever felt just completely overwhelmed and bombarded in life before, right? Four of us. The rest of y'all good, huh? Okay. How many of us ever felt bombarded in life? Like life is hitting us from every direction, right? And so, man, we, we get to the state where we feel like, so this is what's happening with David. He's fighting against these armies, and, and uh, he even talks about it. Let's look, he says, God, look. Enemies past counting. Now, I, I want to pause for a second because Psalms is an, um, it, it, that's an emotional book. Like David wrote most of this stuff like either when he was like really, really happy, really, really sad, or really, really angry. Okay, so um, let's check it out because I love this part of David. It makes me smile because it reminds me of me. Okay, God, look, enemies past counting. Enemies are sprouting like mushrooms, mobs of them all around me, roaring their mockery. Ha, no help for him from God. Anybody ever heard that before? Hmm. But you, God, shield me on all sides. You ground my feet and you lift my head high. With all my might, I shout up to God and his answer is thunder from the holy mountain. I stretch myself out. I sleep. Now, here's a question I have for you. If the armies are surrounding you, why are you stretching yourself out to sleep? The only reason you would go to sleep during the battle is if somebody's already run, won the war. Tweet that. I stretch myself out. I sleep. Then I'm up again, rested, tall and steady. Say this word. Fearless before the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides, which means, man, when you wake up one day and your kids are acting crazy over here and your husband won't do the dishes over here, come on, and you find out some bad news about your health coming from from this direction and and people at work are going crazy over here, you get a pink slip over here, you get wrote up for something that was or wasn't your fault over here. When when you think you're going to lose your house over here, someone's going to take your car over here, you get in a wreck on the way to work and your insurance, you know, something happens and and all of a sudden what happens, right? It starts feeling like darts. It starts feeling like 
like arrows. It starts to feel like an attack is coming from every side. But here's the beauty is that the enemy mobs are coming me from all sides. And even David is looking like, man, things are coming at me from every angle. I don't even know how I'm going to deal with it. But I stretch myself out and I rest because the victory is already mine. Let's look at what it says next. He goes on to say, up, God, my God, help me. This is where David gets real, and I love it. Slap their faces. <laughs> yes. First this cheek, then the other. Your fist hard in their teeth. In other words, God's not just going to just move your battles out of the way. He's going to be violently victorious in your life. Real help comes from God. Your blessing clothes your people. Man, how many guys are ready just to step into some faith, some freedom that comes from who Jesus is already in your life? And I think some of us need to be like David. We need to start declaring things that are even though they are not. We need to start talking about what God is going to do in our life rather than talking about all the things that God has not done in our life. We need to start looking for the victories that God wants to bring to us rather than looking at all the different ways that we could be defeated. We need to start declaring how good God is for us rather than talking about all the things that we haven't gotten yet. We look at other people and because they didn't get what God had for them, we think that God's not gonna give what to us what God has already promised us. The thing is, is God doesn't go back on his word. God doesn't go back against his promises. If he's already spoken it to you, it's yes and amen. You have to rest in the victory that God has already promised you because his promises are yes and amen. That means that you're a child of God. That means you're already victorious. That means he's already won for you. That means the battle has already been fought. You get to lay down, you get to rest. You get to enjoy the splendor of the king. When armies would go to battle, the king's family stayed behind the walls and they got to rest in the luxury without having to fight the war. Can I tell you something? Many of you are trying to be soldiers instead of being princes and princesses to the king. God has already won for you. Why don't you just start resting behind the walls knowing that he's out there fighting your battles that you don't even have to fight. You get to rest in who God is. This last quote, my favorite, I, I saw this and I just, it was something else. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, I don't, I don't ask that question at all. Me personally, brilliant, gorgeous, fabulous. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how many of us have ever felt so inadequate that we're looking like, we look in the mirror like, why do I deserve this? Can I tell you something? Some of you need to quit lying to yourself and you need to get daily affirmations that you speak over yourself about what God thinks of you and not what other people think of you. You need to write them down. You need to look in the mirror and you need to declare who you are in God and stop thinking about who you're not. Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. Some of you need to start shining because you can shine. Don't worry about what other people are gonna think. 
We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. That means you, 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 and you. It's in all of us. What God wants to do in you is already in you. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Here it is, folks. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That means when you grab a hold of who you are in God, you automatically liberate other people to become who they are in God. When you start to walk in the truth of who God is in you, when you start to rest in the victory, you get to declare rest in other people's victories to them. How many of you guys are ready to stop fighting a battle for you and start helping some other people get rest in theirs? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, 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 I thank God. Listen, everything ain't right in my life right now. Everything, I, God hasn't answered every prayer, but my anxiety isn't in the fact that I don't think he will. My, my rest is in that I already know he can. And so who Jesus is in my life puts me in a position that even though my battle isn't done yet, I get to help other people rest in theirs. Let my presence liberate others because I rest in my victory that's already been won in Jesus Christ. How many of you will say today, Pastor, I I haven't rested in my victory that comes from the Lord before. But starting today, I'm not gonna start, I'm not gonna keep fighting battles that ain't mine to fight anymore. My battle from now on is to continue to put Jesus in his rightful place and let my faith drive my freedom. Get all the people out of the way. If I need to change my channel, I'll change the channel. I'll go around some people from now on. I'm not letting anybody hold me back from what God has for me. I'm not gonna let rejection be the reason why I don't do what God called me to do. I'm not gonna let anxiety be the reason why I get paralyzed and I can't do what God has destined for me to do, but I'm gonna move forward. If I have to change my channel, I'm gonna change my channel, but I'm gonna find freedom in my faith that Jesus is everything he said he is for me. Grab a hold of that today, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you that our victory is not our own, but our victory is yours. And since our victory is not our own and it is yours, it means that we can't lose it because you've already won it. So God, we surrender our lives to you that you take control. God, for those of us that have been fighting the battle unnecessarily, God, I pray that we see victory in Jesus' name that comes from you. We rejoice in who you are today. And we thank you, God, that we don't have to keep fighting. We get to rest. We get to be still and know that you are God. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, I have a hard time resting in that because I don't know that, honestly, I don't know that me and Jesus are in a good place right now. I don't know if me and God are in a good place right now. Maybe you know enough about God to know that you're not right with God. Or maybe you've just never known him before. The beauty of the gospel is this, folks, that God said he loved the world so much, he loved you so much, that he would send his son Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. That means I've messed up, you've messed up, we've messed up. The person sitting next to you that smells funny messed up. We've all blown it. We've all missed it. But Jesus looked at us not 
He didn't look at us and, and see all the good things that we are. He saw us at our worst and chose us then. And when he chose us, he said, I, I, I'm gonna die for them so that my death can pay the price so that they'll never have to experience an eternal death, and that is hell. Jesus made a way for you. He loves you today, and he wants to know you today. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, I, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna be saved today. I wanna know that when I pass, when I die, that my destination is heaven. I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna give my life to him. Because you can't rest in the victory of Jesus if you don't know him. You say, Pastor, that's me today. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you today. You say, Pastor, I wanna be saved. I wanna give my heart to Jesus. As I promise, I'm not gonna come to you. I wanna pray for you. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, I wanna give my heart to him. I wanna be saved. I wanna know him. I want him to take control of my life. I'm tired of fighting battles that I can't win. I'm, trying to try, I'm tired of trying to be victorious in wars that aren't even mine to fight. I wanna start letting Jesus fight my battles. I wanna be saved. I want my life to belong to him. If that's you today, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus today, Pastor. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to do me one favor. Just raise your hand right where you sit. I wanna give my life to Jesus today, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. I want to give my life to Jesus today, Pastor. I want to be saved. God bless you. I want him to take control. Once you put it up, you can, you can put it down. If you're watching a live stream and you say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus today. We're going to do this. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if you raise your hand or you didn't, but you say, that's me and I want to give my life to Christ we want you to repeat this prayer after me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. All this prayer is doing is acknowledging that you are saved by putting your faith in Jesus today. So let's pray this prayer together and the whole church is gonna pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I believe in you. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.